finished. And so if you want to open your Bible to the book of Second uh, Timothy, I better open this up too. Second Timothy chapter 4. Starting with verse 6, if you read along with me. For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the course, I have kept the faith. In the future there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And if you jump down to verse 10, For Demas, having loved this present world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Two men that had made choices in their lives. Paul was sitting in a Roman prison awaiting his final execution. He was ready to go. He had finished the course. He had done everything that that God had called him to do. He had stood firm and he had endured and he had finished well. He was ready to go to be with God. And I think each one of us wants to to be in that same situation. That we want to be ready to be with God. We want to finish well. We want to be able to say at the end when God comes, have God come to us and say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Amen? That's what I look forward to. I look forward to hearing God say that. And, And Paul was ready to go. Demas, on the other hand, it says he loved the world more. He loved the world more and he deserted Paul when Paul needed him. The scriptures don't tell us too much more at all about what happened to Demas, whether he repented later and, and, and turned his life around. But at that point in time, he had turned his back on God. He had turned his back on Paul and he had deserted him and left him there in prison. And, and that was a choice that Demas was making. And so many people today are making that same choice. They're choosing not to finish well, but they're choosing to love the world more than they love God. And, and that's the warning for us this morning, that we need to finish well. We need to choose like Paul has chosen. We need to choose to do things right in our life. We need to, uh, to, to come to that final ending and finish well. Yogi Berra said it, it ain't over till it's over. Amen? So we still have a chance. It ain't over yet. There's still more time for us. Even us older folks, we've still got time. There are still some things that we can do. And that's one of the things that that I I felt like I wanted to share with you today. I read a book late. a few months ago called Stand Firm. And, and one of the chapters in there was written by Jerry Bridges. And his, his purpose was to help us finish well. And, and that's where some of the material that I'm um, sharing with you this morning comes from, is from that book, Stand Firm, and from the chapter that, that he talks about, these four essential things that if you can p- put them into your life, you're better equipped to be able to finish well. Are they the only things that you can do? No, 
there's a whole lot more. And I think you can, I, I hope this start, jump starts your mind to thinking maybe there's some other things that you can do specifically too. But these are some fundamental things that, that we can do, that we can focus on, that will help us to finish well. Remembering always too that we do it by God's grace. Amen. It's not in our own power and our own strength. So turn to 1 Corinthians 15 too. 1 Corinthians 15.10. No, not 10. My fingers just don't always go as fast as they used to for some reason. I don't know. And it says, But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. I am what I am by the grace of God. Amen? It's God's grace that allows us to do the things that we're going to be talking about. We can't just, you know, make a, a New Year's resolution, as it were, and then start doing it. It's only through the grace of God. It's only through being daily empowered by the Holy Spirit. Each one of us was given the Holy Spirit when we believed. And that Holy Spirit, as we ask to be filled every day, He empowers us to do the things that we need to do. Amen? And so my encouragement to you is, as we look at these four things, to remember that it's only in the grace of God that we can do them. And it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that we allow to work in and through us that we can do these things. So uh, just, just remember that. So the first thing that I want to remind you of is that in order to finish well, we need to have a daily time of focused personal communion with God. And it has to be daily. It has to be daily because if it's not daily, we tend to drift off the course that God has given us. I remember uh, the four spiritual laws. God has a plan for your life. Amen. He has a course for your life. But sometimes we drift off course. And in the Navy, before GPS, they used to have this machine, this thing called a sextant. And the sextant was used in the morning and in the, after, in the evening, the ship at sea, to make sure that they were on course. So they would take this out, and by some way, they would shoot the stars, and it would tell them exactly what degree of latitude and longitude the ship was, and they could make adjustments to the course so that they could get to the right destination. But they had to do it every day. Because the currents changed, the winds changed, everything changed out on the ocean. And if you didn't do it twice a day, it was very likely that you were going to get off course. So the sextant is something that, that reminds us that we need to take a, uh, a shot at the stars, so to speak. We need to, to get in communion with God so that we can stay on course. And we've got to do it daily. We can't let it go and let it go and let it go. Because if we do, we're going to drift further and further away. Can, have, have you ever experienced that in your own life? Drifting a little bit too far away because you didn't shoot the stars 
you didn't spend that daily time with God, it's things got in the way, uh, busyness, whatever it is, things started to get in the way and we didn't take that daily time. Well, if we're going to finish well, we've got to have that daily time so that we don't drift off course. Amen? And then <clears throat> it needs to be focused. I want you to turn into the Bible to the book of Psalms, right about in the middle of the Bible and verse uh, chapter 63. This daily time that we have needs to be focused. It needs to, to have a focus. It needs to uh, have a, a bullseye that we're, we're aiming towards. And that's what uh, chapter 63 verse 1 says. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you and my flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. It needs to be focused. We need to earnestly seek for God. We need to thirst for God. We need to yearn for Him. We need to have that burning desire to spend time with Him. It needs to be focused in on Him. It's good to have a plan, but we need to focus in on Him, on His Word. You know, it's good to read the Word, but we need to ask God to speak to me through that Word. Not just to read it through and, and it becomes a ritual kind of a thing, but we need to be asking God to speak back to us. And, and I know for me, the, t the, most, the times that I have been the most focused in my time with the Lord is times when things are getting difficult. Amen? Things start going bad. And as a Christian, the first thing we start thinking of, God, why me? You know, what? Help me, Lord. Help me to focus in on what you're doing in the midst of this difficult time. And we need to have that earnestness, that yearning for Him. We need to want it more than anything else. And sometimes that's kind of the reason why God allows us to go through those difficult times. Because it's through those difficult times that we most earnestly seek Him. That we most earnestly yearn for Him. And that we really want to do what God wants us to do. And so He allows those times to come into our lives. Uh, when we're making those difficult decisions. But in order for us to finish well, we need to have that focus all the time. We need to have that earnestness, that, that yearning all the time. Amen? And, and we need to ask God to place that in our hearts so that we can feel that thirst. And you know what? He will do that. He will give that to you. That's, that's, a, that's a righteous thing. God will give you the desires of the, your heart when they're in, in focus with what God wants for your life. And so it needs to be focused on Him. Uh, one other scripture while we're in the book of Psalms. Turn back to Psalm 27. Psalm 27, verse 4. As, as we come into that personal communion, that focused communion with Him, we have to say, we can read this, One thing I have asked from the Lord, and that I shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to meditate in His temple. We need to be in His presence 
in the temple of the Lord. We need to come together like, it, like we do here. We need to come together in our grace groups. We need to come together in our family groups. We need to focus on Jesus when we're together. We need to look for, it says, to behold the beauty of the Lord. What is the beauty of the Lord? I mean, you, you can look at that a lot of ways. You, you look out in nature and you can see the beauty of the Lord there too. You can see that he has made a beautiful creation. There's still wonderful places on the earth that cause us to remember who God is. But more importantly, the beauty that I think this is talking about is the beauty of God's attributes, God's personality, who he is. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He knows everything because he created it. Amen? It's, it's nothing is new to him. It's all things that he has done. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. He can do anything. He can do the impossible. Amen? God is powerful. And that's the kind of beauty that we need to see. Um, uh, let's see. Did I forget something? Omniscience. Omnipresent. He's everywhere. At all times. He's always with us. He never leaves us nor forsakes us. That's the beauty of the Lord that we need to behold. We need to see that all the time. There's a song out by Toby Mac. I see you in everything all day. Have you heard that? If you haven't, find it. You know, YouTube it or something like that. Find it and just let it permeate your soul. Because we need to see God in everything all day. Every little thing that goes on, we can see God. We can see his beauty. We just need to ask God to open our eyes. Because it's there. Amen? God is always there. He's always doing beautiful things because that's who he is. And so we just need to ask God to open our eyes so that we can see that. It's good to have a plan to have that special communion time with God, to read His Word, to open up His Word. And, you know, His Word has to be a part of it, right? It, it, that's got to be a major part of what, what, you're, what you're doing, is getting into the Word, because that's how He speaks to us. But you need to be asking Him some questions. Lord, can I spend time with you? Can you speak to me from your Word? Would you encourage me? Would you teach me? Would you slap me around if I need it? Would you rebuke me? That's a tough one. But we need to say that. Whatever you see that I need today, Lord, help me to see it. Help me spend time with you so that I can hear you speak to me. So that I can make those course adjustments. So that I can get back on plan with you. That's what it means to have that focused time of daily communion. That's the communion that we have. A personal communion. And, you know... This is not a, a, a contest. Well, I spent, you know, five hours in the Word yesterday, and I, you know, so I'm going to get better. Don't, don't allow this to become some kind of a legalistic game that, that you play with God, that, you know, you can pat yourself on the back because you spent that time. That's, that's not the point. We don't earn blessings from God because we have this time. We don't forfeit blessing if we don't. God loves us. He wants to spend more time with us than we do with Him. He's waiting for you. He's looking for you every day. It doesn't have to be in the morning, the afternoon, the evening. 
God is looking for you all day long. He's showing you his beauty. He's, he's giving you course directions. All you have to do is tune in and focus in on him. And he will help you to go the way that he wants you to go. Amen? And when you do that, you will finish well. The second thing that I want to remind you is that in order to finish well, we need to have a daily appropriation of the gospel. You know, when I first became a Christian, I, I knew that I was saved, that I now stood in the righteousness of Christ. All my sins were forgiven. Everything was in the past, and I now had the righteousness of Christ. I was justified in Christ. I, I was a new creation, and, and I thought, thank you, God. And, but, but one of the things that we do as Christians is that sometimes we, we receive the gospel, and then we start walking in our own flesh. We start walking out the gospel. And that's what the, the Galatians were doing. They were trying to finish what God had started in the spirit by doing it in the flesh. And we all have a tendency to try and, and do that. We are sinners, amen? Remember the, the, uh, the tax collector in Luke? Uh, what was that? There it is. Luke 18. He says, be merciful to me. I won't turn to that, but be merciful to me, a sinner. We need to recognize the fact that we are sinners. Amen. We are always sinners. Just because we got saved doesn't change that. Pastor Doug was talking about that in the last couple of weeks too, that, that, that we need to come back to him. We need to appropriate that gospel every day. And Hebrews 10, 19 through 22 tells us that we have access we can go into the presence of God the Father at a moment's notice. We can come into his presence all the time. And then if you turn to the book of Galatians, chapter 2 and verse 20. The whole problem that the Galatians were having is that they, were, again, were trying to do what God had started in them and trying to do it in their own strength. We tend to, to try and do that too. We tend to... Uh, we, we have a, um, a, a, testimony, a, a tendency to try and do it on our own. And this section of Galatians, uh, chapter 2, verse 20. Let me read that so I don't get off course. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. We are to live our lives in, the, in, in Christ. We're to live our lives justified. And that, I, that topic of justification is not just a past event. It's not just something that happens when you get saved, but it's a present reality and a future certainty. There's past, present, and future tense to justification. So we need to appropriate that gospel every day. As we come into his presence, as we spend that time with him, we need to appropriate the gospel. We need to stand in his justification. Um, uh, we, if we don't do that, then we're trying to live life as if it depends on us. And that's what the Galatians were doing. If 
you, if you want to read more about that, read the book of Galatians and, and see what Paul told them to do. You know, not to get trapped up again in, in that legalistic uh, idea of trying to do things on your own. That's our nature. Our sin nature is, is that we want to make it a performance relationship. We want to say, look at me, look at what I've done. You know, yeah, God saved me, but I'm such a great Christian. That's, that's a performance-based relationship. And we need to appropriate the gospel. We need to live our lives as, as Christians by faith and not uh, by our own strength. B.B. Warfield put it this way. There is nothing in us or done by us at any stage of our earthly development because of which we are acceptable to God. We must always be accepted for Christ's sake or we cannot be accepted at all. This is not true of us only when we believe. It is just as true after we have believed. It will continue to be true as long as we live. Our need of Christ does not cease with our believing, nor does the nature of our relation to Him or to God through Him ever alter, no matter our attainments in Christian graces or our achievement in Christian behavior may be. And what he's saying is that it doesn't matter how sanctified we might become. It, it doesn't matter how much we grow in Christian life. He says it's always based on Christ's blood and righteousness alone that we can rest. We need to daily appropriate the gospel as a sinner saved by grace. Amen? The third essential thing that we need to do to finish well is that we need to have a daily commitment to God as a living sacrifice. Turn to Romans chapter 12. I love this verse. I love this section of, of Romans. Because this is what we need to be. It says, Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of, that, of your mind so that you may prove what is the will of God and that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We need to be a living sacrifice. You know, you look in the Old Testament and they had a whole bunch of sacrifices that the priests had to do every day. There are different kinds of sacrifices and the burnt sacrifice, the burnt offering, was offered two times a day. And it was uh, completely offered. It, it, none of it was set uh, aside. Some of the other offerings were given to the priests as part of their payment, so to speak. But the burnt offering was completely consumed. It was burned up completely. It was totally given to God. And, and that's the kind of sacrifice that is in mind here. That, that we are to give ourselves as, as a living sacrifice to God. Totally, wholly consumed by God, if you will. Totally consumed. And we are to present ourselves. We are to give ourselves to that freely. Not out of duty, not because we think we ought to, but freely give to, to somebody. Um, when, when my wife and I were younger and we had our... Our kids were little. Um, 
we had two cars. We were blessed with a station wagon and a little four-door uh, Toyota Corona. And um, my best friend, Warren, and his wife had just had two kids, and they had a Firebird, a Pontiac Firebird. And if you've ever seen a Pontiac Firebird, it's a fast car, two doors, no room in the back at all. You know, so we were young couples, and, and God laid it on my heart to present to him that Toyota so that he would have something for a family car. And, well, I got the Firebird, but... <laughs> but, but even if I didn't get the Firebird... <laughs> anyway, we presented it to him, and no strings attached. No money involved, nothing like that. It was a gift. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to gift ourselves to God totally and unreservedly. We don't hold on to a string and say, but, you know, if I need it, I, I want it back. Sometimes we do that, don't we? When, we? when we offer ourselves to God. We need to present ourselves totally and wholly to God. And we need to do it because we want to do it, not because it's out of duty. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's take a look at that verse. All right, I know it's there. Six. Oh. It would help if I got to 1 Corinthians instead of 2 Corinthians. I'm sitting there thinking. That's, that's a preacher's nightmare. You know, you go to a passage and it's not there. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And now I'm... All right. 6. There it is. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you and whom you have from God and that you are not your own for you have been bought with a price. Therefore, I glorify God in your body. We have been bought with a, Christ, with a price. We are not our own. We belong to Christ. When we sacrifice to Christ, when we give up our legal rights to what we want to do and become, we become bondservants to do God's will. But it's more than just a duty. We do it out of love. So many times Christians live their lives out of duty instead of out of love. I know uh, several Christians that I, I, I know that have been in the church for a long time. They said, well, I just have to do it. Uh, I go to church every week because I have to. That's, that's, that's what's expected of me. But that's not a good enough reason. If we're going to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, we need to do it because we want to. That we, with that, that we have that uh, uh, desire out of love. Um, look, look at the book of Philemon, if you can find it. Yeah? <laughs> Titus, Timothy, Titus, Philemon. It's just a little book. but um, So the, in, in the book of Philemon, uh, Paul is writing to Philemon, who uh, had a slave named Onesiphorus. And uh, he had run away. So Philemon was out this slave... Uh, and Onesiphorus had come to Paul and had gotten saved and had become very useful to Paul in the ministry. But there came a time that, that Paul felt like Onesiphorus needed to go back to Philemon. 
So he writes this letter to Philemon to, to let him know that I'm sending Onesiphorus back to you and I want you to receive him as a brother, not just merely as a slave that, that, has, that you lost and now has returned to you, but now he's even more. And in, in verse 8 and 9, he says this, Therefore, though I have enough confidence in Christ to order you to do what is proper, he, he had the right to order him because of his relationship with Philemon. Yet for love's sake, I rather appeal to you, since I am such a person as Paul, the aged, and now also a prisoner of Christ Jesus. So in his talking to Philemon, he says, I can order you to do this, but I'd much rather that you do it out of love. That you do it because you're excited that Onesiphorus is now a brother in Christ. And now he's even more to you than just a servant. But he is a fellow bondservant with you of Christ. And receive him in that respect. But do it not because I'm ordering you, but because you want to. And isn't that how God is with us? He, he, doesn't just, he, he gives us orders. He gives us commands. The Bible is full of commands. But he wants us to do it from the right motivation, out of love. Don't we do that with our kids too? When we want them to do the right thing, you know, to clean up their room, to put the trash away, to, to do all the little things that, that we want them to do. We give them the opportunity to do it out of love, but they still need to do it. They're learning that lesson. And that's what we need to learn that lesson too. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to God. Present yourself to Him because you want to. That it's out of your, uh, the love of your heart. Not because you have to. We, sh we should have to. We're bondservants. But we don't do it because of that. We do it because we love Him. And we want to spend that time with God. Amen? So that's the third thing that will help us to finish well. The fourth thing is that we need to have a firm belief in the sovereignty of God and in the love of God. Life is difficult and sometimes painful. Amen? It is. Life is difficult and sometimes painful. But God is in control of every event in this universe. Uh, who made the universe? God did, right? The old catechisms that, 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 that we used to have, God created the heavens and the earth. We went through Genesis, right? Pastor has told us, God created. He's in charge of everything. He has done everything. And I want you to turn in your Bible to Lamentations. The Lamentations of Jeremiah. So if you find Jeremiah, you just kind of go right next to that. Jeremiah. And then Lamentations 3, starting in verse 37 and 38. Who is there who speaks and it comes to pass unless the Lord has commanded it? Is it not from the mouth of the Most High that both good and ill go forth? It seems to indicate that everything comes from God, both good and ill. Now, somebody brought up in the first service, well, does that mean God does the ill? Not necessarily. God allows ill to happen to us. God allows those things to happen to our lives. But ultimately, He is responsible. God is God. He is the ruler of the universe. And He is sovereign 
in every part of life. So much of life's pain is caused by the sinful actions of other people. And if you don't believe that God is in control of even those actions, you're going to be tempted to become bitter. And when you become bitter, you begin to turn aside from God and you will not stand firm. And you will not endure if you let other people's sinful actions cause you to become bitter. We must recognize that God is in control and we just need to trust Him. When we were going through seminary many years ago, one of the things that, that God kept telling us uh, was that He was in control. God is in control. He knows best. We just need to trust Him. Those words were written over and over in all our support letters that we wrote every month to our supporters, letting them know what we were going through. It was difficult. There are tough times that we had to, uh, somehow God made ends meet. Somehow God brought somebody to our house to drop off groceries. Our neighbor brought a tire that he found on the side of the road that just happened to fix the tire that I just had flat on my car. Same size, we just swapped it out. God brought all of this stuff. We didn't know, uh, we, we were learning that to trust him in the midst of good and ill, no matter what happened to us, to trust him. We got through those four years of seminary. I packed two years of seminary into four, and uh, we're, we're able to get through those four years, and, and with no debt, and everything paid off, and somehow God did that. God did miraculous things. We had tough times. We were never at full support. We never had all the money that was supposed to be in our account. But somehow God always made up the difference. God was in control. He knew what was best. And we just needed to trust him. That's what it means to, to have a firm belief in the sovereignty of God. Another example, if you want to turn back to Genesis chapter 50. We're going to just read one section from there, but let me uh, catch you up on, on what happened to Joseph. You remember Joseph was, uh, his, his brothers were very jealous of Joseph because Joseph was dad's favorite. Dad loved him more than anybody else and he gave him his coat of many colors and the, the brothers got fed up with Joseph and decided, let's kill him. Let's get rid of Joseph. And so they, they set out to do that. They put him in a pit. And then one of the brothers has a great idea. He says, let's get money for him instead of killing him. We'll sell him into slavery. And so they sold him to some passing uh, camel drivers, took him down into Egypt. He became a slave in Potiphar's house. He was doing really good. He blessed Potiphar's house. And then all of a sudden, Potiphar's wife says, I like that boy. And he want, she wants to have sexual relations with him. And he says, no, that would not be good. He stays firm to his belief. And then Potiphar's wife makes up a lie, sends him into prison. He goes into prison and, and then he blesses the prison guard there. And, and he does things that are great in there. Uh, the baker from Pharaoh and, and his wine taster get thrown into jail. And Joseph uh, tells them their dreams and they both, the dreams come true. One of them is killed. The other one is reinstated back to Pharaoh's house. And when he goes back to Pharaoh, Pharaoh has a dream. 
And Pharaoh is told about how Joseph was able to tell his dreams. So Joseph comes back to Pharaoh and tells him his dream. Pharaoh raises him up to the number three place in, in the, the country, puts him in charge of famine relief. And for seven years, he gathers all of that stuff. And then his brothers come to him and, and he welcomes them in. But all that time when the brothers were there, they were saying, you know, Joseph, we meant this for evil for you. But Joseph was, was absolutely sure. And in verse 50, verse 20, as for you, he's talking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about this present result to preserve many alive. Joseph believed in the sovereignty and love of God, that even though both good and ill came to him, God was working in all of that for his good. God was working to make it all work out for his good. And, and that's exactly what God does for us. God is working for our good. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, I think that's... No, Job 1.21, sorry. Go on to Job... All right. That's right. It's over here. And you know the story of Job. You know, all the troubles that he was in. And in verse um, 21, he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In the midst of all the things that Joseph suffered, he could say, blessed be is the name of the Lord. The Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Whatever situation we find ourselves in, God is behind it. And then in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18. Okay. In everything, in everything, give thanks, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. In everything, both good and ill, whatever comes before you, give thanks to the Lord. Thank Him for what He's doing in your life. Thank Him that He is conforming you into His likeness. Romans 8, 28 and 29 also says, let's take a look there. All throughout the Bible we see this same idea uh, reflected and, and told again and again and again. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. All things work together for good. All things. And then finally it says in Hebrews 13, 5, uh, and other places in the Old Testament too, that God says He will never leave us nor forsake us. God is always going to be with us. That's His promise. That as we, as we look to um, the sovereignty and love of God, we need to recognize the fact that no matter what we're going through, no matter what of good or ill comes to us, God is always with us. Amen? Amen. He will never leave us nor forsake us.
Y'all have heard of Denzel Washington? When he was 20 years old, uh, he was at Fordham University flunking out of journalism. Uh, he, he was, that was his plan, to become a journal, uh, a, a, an author. And he was flunking, he was failing. Didn't know exactly what to do, so he's living at home. He, and he spent some time with his mother at the, the um, beauty shop that his mother ran. And one day that he was there, one of the ladies that was getting her hair done told him, you are going to travel the world and speak to millions of people. A 20-year-old failure was told that by God. And he said, after becoming a famous movie, she said, what she told me that day stayed with me. I've been protected. I've been directed. I didn't always stick with God, but he always stuck with me. I want to tell you, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what good or ill comes of you, God is always with you. And he knows that you are special. And he is going to do great things in and through you if you just trust in the sovereignty of him. And you take those promises that he has, that he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will work all things together for good for you. Everything that happens in your life, we have to have that. And when we have that in our lives, we will finish well. When we have that faith in the sovereignty and goodness of God, we will finish well. So to wrap up what I've been saying uh, th this morning, there's four things that, that, that we want to uh, remember. One, to have a daily time of focused communion with God. We need to spend that time. We need to come up with a plan, but realize that it's more than a plan. And then second, we need to daily appropriate the gospel. Come to him as a sinner. Confess your sins to him. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John says that. And so you, you need to come to him and appropriate that gospel every day. And then daily present yourself as a living sacrifice. Not out of duty, but out of love. Because you want to become everything that God wants you to become. And fourthly, have a continual firm belief in the sovereignty and goodness of God. No matter what you're going through, He's with you. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He will work in and through you. One of the things that's, that's gone through my mind, a couple of things, a song comes to my mind that, that talks about leaving a legacy. You know, that, that sometimes we think it's very important for us to leave a legacy. But there's a song out there that says, Only You. And, and what it's saying is, legacy is good, but Jesus is better. Amen. Jesus is the reason. Jesus is what we want to leave behind. When people see our lives, when people see what we've gone through, they, we want them to see Jesus. It's good to have a legacy, but it's better to have Jesus. And then uh, there's a new show on TV, and I'm not saying yes or no that it's great or not, but it's called God Friended Me. Have you seen that one? Uh, and, and one of the things that uh, they talked about uh, November 25th, he talked about leaving a legacy. And he said this, We live our lives thinking we need to leave something behind us before we die. But a person's legacy can mean so many different things. It's the shared experiences that we all go through that binds us together, paving the way for new relationships. 
while also reminding us that it's never too late to mend the past and hope for the future. And if we're lucky enough, we get to see the lessons of our life passed down to those we love most, our children and our grandchildren. That's the thing about legacy. It's never too late to change it or make it better. You just have to know when to start. Now is the time to start. To, to finish well, we need to make today that day that, that we see Jesus in everything we say and everything we do. I want to close uh, by playing this song and then I'll come up and we'll pray together. To finish well. Help us, Lord, to point to you in everything that we say and do, Lord. Help us, Lord, to do the things that would keep us on course, Lord. Help us, Lord, to remember that you are sovereign, that you love us, Lord, and that you're working everything together for us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to leave that legacy, Lord, of knowing you, of pointing people to you. Jesus, we want the world to see you in and through us, Father. Use us this week as we go into our world, Father, to be Jesus to the people we come in contact with. And we give you the praise and the glory for it all. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll see you next week.